Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and cosmetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and an aesthetic business mentor. Each episode of IA showcases unfiltered conversations with guests from around the world. In a sometimes disjointed industry, IA aims to help educate and connect our global community to raise the bar for both our businesses and our patients. To further support and educate our listeners, we offer a range of additional resources under our IA Patreon subscription service. This caters for injectors and business owners of all levels and includes interactive live Zoom sessions, webinars, hints and tip videos, private chat groups and exciting future content to come. To subscribe to IA Patreon, head to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon or click the link in our podcast description. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. New studio, new lights, yeah. new cameras. New background. It's all happening. It is. So just for anyone that's not watching but listening, we've updated our entire studio. We've got a few more stages to go but we thought we're getting serious now we've been doing this for a few years and we thought we should upgrade our studio and a few actually, years four and a half is it four and a half years it'll be five in january uh, yeah january wow um so obviously if you're new to the podcast we're recording david's second bedroom <laughs> um but this is now the official ia studio for real because we've got new cameras so stuff for youtube will will re be rebooted soon yeah uh there might even be an improvement in the sound quality we've got a sound deadening sort of background mm -hmm. and uh it's kind of like the old school pattern but revamped yeah we've done a improved 360 a 360 with a twist yeah and uh we've got mustafa our new video editing uh sort guru. of guru photography guru everything watching us do this podcast just yeah. to make sure our sound and vision is good so a bit weird bit of Bit of extra pressure. Yeah, that's okay. That's exactly. okay. So, um, first of all, before we get into the podcast, we've got mm. a few updates with our IA Patreon. Yes. So that has grown really well. If you don't know what Patreon is, if you're new to the podcast, um, Patreon is a service that creators like ourselves can use to give bonus or extra content. So, in in terms of what we do, we effectively run a subscription. Sorry, I'll start again. A subscription service. We've got about 223 people signed up, injectors and business owners from all over the world. And we're essentially offering a number of different types of content. So what do you do in Patreon, David? Well, my, my background's business, so owning businesses in this space and having of having employed like hundreds of people over the years, doctors, nurses, therapists. So just giving my perspectives on, on things that people can do with their businesses, because at the end of the day, providing cosmetic services, but we're all here to, to make money and provide an income for our families or ourselves and or ourselves. And so I share insights from things that have worked for me, experts in the field, people that I potentially worked with before. So, so what do you do in the Patreon? So basically just look at what people can do, tips and tricks, hints for how they can improve their business, whether it mm. be managing staff, impre improving their turnover, understanding their financials, marketing, Anything that isn't to do with having the needle in the hand or the scalpel in the hand, yeah, um, that's my area of expertise. Yeah, so David does weekly business hints and tips. He's also running a little bit of content that is maybe a little bit more sporadic as people sort of volunteer. But for people who he mentors, yeah. we capture that content on video and you, you can actually see what a business mentoring session might look like yeah. with David. So that's really useful. They're a bit longer than... I guess some of them. So they might not be as quite as often, but they tend to be like 15 to 20 minute videos because it's, I, I think find it half hard. an hour actually. Some, some of them. them, yeah. Um, and then obviously I'm sort of handling the injectable hints and tips. Uh, we started a new feature last week, uh, Instagram hints and tips. Yep. 
I even did um, sort of an intro into how to use Threads, the new social media app. So tons of content. And then we've got a library of clinical papers. We've got old webinars. And occasionally David and I do live Zooms with all of our patrons. So in in short, we, we've streamlined Patreon. There used to be a number of tiers and it got a little bit confusing, I have to admit. I was confused. Yeah, well, exactly. that's not so much. You're always confused. <laughs> <laughs> so now, basically, with Patreon, we have one subscription. You just sign up, you're called an IA patron, and away you go. You get access to everything. Yeah. So that's the new sort of update. If you guys were sort of sitting on the fence wondering whether to join or not, or even if you're not sure, you get seven days free if you want to sign up and check it out. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's all of the other stuff, which is a bit more active, which is all of our WhatsApp groups. So multiple different groups for different topics and even country-specific chats. That's where a lot of the gold sort of happens, where people are sharing and, you know, ideas or things that have just happened patient stories and all the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, just to expand on that, I think we've spoken about it plenty of times on the podcast that this industry can be a little bit insular. It's highly competitive. People aren't, aren't generally happy to sort of talk about successes and what's working for them, but we've created a really positive sharing community. So no matter where you are in the world, there's, there's someone probably in your time zone that's in our group that's an expert. Um, if you're a beginner, or mm. at sort of very advanced levels as an injector, there's something for everyone, and, and it's all about support, growth, and, and positivity. Yeah. 100%. Um, so, what are we going to talk about on this podcast, David? Complaints. <laughs> you complain so, against me com again. Complaints. So, I think it would be pretty difficult for anyone to deny that we're living in a pretty complaint-driven society these days. We've been programmed that if we whinge and complain about something, we're going to get something for free. People are, are highly stressed. There's a lot going on in their personal and work lives, and everyone seems to be on edge. And so we thought it'd be good for us to have a, a discussion around complaints because they can happen for a number of different reasons. It can be a complaint relating to a clinical outcome. Yep. It could be a complaint relating to an experience someone has had with your clinic, your booking system, maybe a member of your staff. Yeah. And so what does that look like identifying what are real complaints? What are the ones we should be paying attention to? How we can use them as, I guess, learning examples on how we can improve things yeah and just sort of talking through the process of, of what this complaint actually means and how to turn a negative potentially into a, a positive situation rather than something that's quite can be quite harrowing and, and stressful yeah. to deal with yeah and you know this is stuff that crops up on our patreon chats all the time um not because we're moaning about our patients but you know patients do complain and and some of it's actually perfectly valid other times it's a little bit more difficult to untangle. So we'll, we'll yeah. try and go into some of that. And when we first planned this one, we were going to divide it into sort of clinical complaints and business complaints, yeah. but I think we're just going to keep it as, as general as possible. And yeah. if there's anything clinical, I can add to it. But, well, they, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, you've seen so many complaints. Yeah. So I think we'll just break it down into some yeah. simple topics. Well, I mean, it, it, it's a complaint at some point in the patient journey. So, whether it's clinical or whether it's pre-booking, post-booking, dealing with a front of house person or a receptionist or an admin person, it's at some stage during that patient's interaction with your business that the mm. complaint arrives or occurs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a bit of a broad question, but why do people complain? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Sometimes it's around expectations not being met, so that can be around what they were hoping to achieve from coming into your business, the interaction they were hoping for, the clinical outcome that they were hoping to achieve that they didn't. It can happen for a myriad of reasons and some complaints are valid and, and some are not. Yeah. And so this whole premise of the patient's always right or the customer's always right. No way. I don't think that's true these days. I think the patient or the customer is often right. 
yeah. but not always. Well, yeah. sort of joking aside, this this is where you and I have sort of joked about client, patient, yeah. uh, customer. Um, I, I truly feel that if someone is a patient and, you know, if we're offering a medical service, we are, I definitely don't agree that the patient is always right. Mm. Well, the patient often, when it comes to the clinical side of things, even though they're more educated and, and aware of treatments, they're probably the least qualified person to know yeah. whether or not a complaint is warranted. I guess when you're looking at a clinical outcome or what treatment is going to be best suited for them and, the, and their aesthetic needs, their face, their genetic background, or like mm. there's a, millions of different factors that, that could sort of determine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you're a patient listening or, you know, in that sort of capacity, I, d I, d I didn't mean that in a defensive way as in I'm always right. Yeah. I just meant that, you know, from a clinical perspective, and, and you've really touched it already, it's often about expectation versus reality. Yeah. And, you know, good education, good consult, it, it gets rid of not all complaints, but a lot of them. And you always see it with, with more junior injectors, um, you know, that they're, they're highly focused on the technique, but maybe not the consult. And so often there's this disparity between what was delivered versus what the patient thought was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can call it a complaint, but it's more just like sort of a, a, a miseducation that's caused a bit of a, a problem. Yeah. And I often find that either as a business owner or you're, if you're on, on, the, on the sort of receiving end of a complaint, it can be quite difficult not to see through what's actually being discussed and get very emotional about the yeah. message yeah. and not seeing, being able to sort of filter out what is the crux of the problem. And so what I, and I've, look, to be honest with you, I've had lots of complaints. I've handled really badly. <laughs> right. Like I've been in shouting <laughs> matches with clients before. With really? Like, oh, this is, I mean, you live and you learn, right? I mean, like, so someone pushes the right button on, 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 the, on the wrong day and, you know, you, you can respond in a way that's very out of character or in a way that's not constructive. And, th and this is how we learn. So, you know, I'm very open about the mistakes that I've made in the past and there's been plenty of them. Mm. Um, but the purpose of our discussion is that, well, hopefully by me talking about the things that have happened to me and the mistakes that I've made and mistakes I've seen other people make, that anyone listening to this can take that on board and hopefully not make the same ones. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind for sure. of, yeah. And, and, you know, and you said you lost your rag occasionally. Yeah. Maybe sometimes it was valid. Yeah. You know, sometimes people can be incredibly difficult and unreasonable and you, and you can almost see through it. You know they're doing it, but they're playing a game. Yeah. And and sometimes you have to put your foot down and yeah. say, I'm, I'm sorry, that's just not reasonable. Well, it's a it's a relationship, right? So just like if you're dating someone or you have a friendship with someone, there are certain boundaries. I like triggering your boundaries a lot. <laughs> that's why we are. Yeah. That's a, um, <laughs> there, are, there are boundaries and, and things that people are not negotiable on. And also it's about finding people that are compatible with you. Yeah. So not every patient is going to be right for you. Yeah. And so this whole concept of trying to be everything for everyone is not really sustainable. You need to find people or attract patients that are on the same yeah. wavelength as you and finding strategies on how to filter those people out and potentially send the ones that aren't to other providers without it ending in a, in, a, in like a hundred Google reviews that yeah. make you sound like an asshole. And, and to be honest, you know, we, I know we've touched on a lot of these um, topics in previous podcasts, but pulling it together, pre-consultation or, or booking processes do allow you to identify some of these yeah. maybe more red flag or, or trickier patients. And they may not be tricky in a bad way, but just in a way that they're outside of your scope of practice. Mm. 
Um, so, you know, having intake forms or a way of sort of working out what someone wants before they've come is, mm. is very, very useful. Yeah. And, and often what you'll find as well is that complaints are generally a result of a cumulative stress points. Mm. So someone's having a bad day that's already got them on, on high alert. Then they have a lot of frustration with your online booking system. Maybe mm. the music that's playing in your clinic is really irritating. Maybe one of your front of house people's not on their game and they're a bit rude, dismissive, ignore the patient. So by the time they walk into your room they're ready for a and fight. sit in your treatment bed, they're already at nine out of 10. Yeah. And you can go, this patient's a lunatic. I just said something and they just flew off the handle. But you don't understand that there's been a whole series of events that have happened before then that have continued to escalate. Yeah their rage levels. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, you know, and I, I do think that you have to have the premise that someone's going to have either anxiety or fear or something, even if, you know, the whole clinic experience has been great, yeah. but just from a clinical perspective, they're not going to be ideal. Yeah. Uh, and so you sort of have to cater for that. And, and that's where the whole body language reading and, you know, all that sort of softer consult skills come in yeah. to sort of work out where am I going with this? Yeah. And, and this is the things that come with experience. Like when a lot of injectors enter the industry, there's a lot of focus on clinical application of technique, or, but there isn't a lot of emphasis and we keep going back and over on, we keep going back to this over and over again, which is the consultation process. As you said, the soft skills, being able to read someone's mood, their body language, working out how to get on a, a level where you can communicate, where the, open, where the channels of communication are open yeah. and you're making them feel comfortable and at ease with the process. I've just thought of something, I don't know if it's relevant or not, but you're the business guy. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever think in your consult, it, it, it's worth saying, you know, prior to needle to skin, uh, sort of as an offshoot from the medical stuff, but how, how, how have we done so far? Mm. Are you satisfied with everything that we've done before we get to actually treating you yeah. and sort of identifying anything then? Yeah. Or is it too early? I, th I don't know if it's, if it's, possible to sort of you know, you don't paint want to do everything like with the same brush. I, mean, I think that it, it's it's a case-by-case -case basis and everyone's style is going to be different and every situation is going to be different. But I think that it's a good idea before you put the needle in the face to <laughs> to check in with the patient and make yeah. sure. And, that, and sometimes it's not even about speaking. It's about just looking at their body language. Oh, yeah. It's off. It's, you yeah. can see their breathing rate, the, you know, maybe the color of their skin <laughs> Skin changes the the the, blank, the blood drops out of it. Yeah. So there are there are a lot of sort of and this is and this is what the ex, the experience factor brings for people. I think is you know you've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients. You've mm. you start to develop a sensitivity. Like let's bring back a, a bonsai analogy for me. I can walk out into my garden and I can look at a hundred trees and I'll identify something that's off color. Yeah. When I first started, I couldn't do that. I've become hyper hypersensitive and hyper aware of like color changes in foliage. Yeah. And I guess that'd be an analogy for someone who's an experienced clinician or injector like yourself that you can pick up things oh, yeah. really quickly because you've seen so many patients. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when people say, Oh, I want to learn how to be a great injector in a couple of years, yeah, maybe clinically you, you can get to that point. But in yeah. terms of all the other skills you need that experience. are difficult to quantify, it's hard to do that. You can't sort of rush experience. Yeah. And it's hard because you've got to start somewhere. And yeah. yet, uh, what was I talking? I was on a Mamma Mia, um, it's called the U-Beauty Facebook forum. Yeah, right. And I answered a question on there. And um, I, was, I was basically just saying like, the more experienced an injector, just, just the more in tune they're going to be. And, and that's why they do charge higher prices. Yeah. I mean, they just have the experience. And 
I don't know. I mean, I mean, the, the premise of the talk on Facebook was, can, can, is it reasonable to go to a cheap injector? Mm. I said, well, you can, but but it's it's more than just the product. It, yeah. it's, it's the whole thing that your injector is going to be looking for and catering for. Yeah. And obviously skill. Yeah. Um, but I, I find that your average patient just can't understand that. They probably can, but they don't know how to quantify it, or they don't they don't see the value in it, or maybe they do, but in an indirect kind of way. Yeah, I mean, you often see patients say things like, oh, "I'm happy to pay less for my Botox. That's easy, mm. but I'm going to come to to you or someone else for filler because it's more, mm. you know, technical." Yeah. So they'll often arbitrarily make that sort of, um, which is weird. I think. <laughs> I, I guess because probably their first dabble with injectables was toxins. Mm. And so they're just more comfortable with it. Yeah. And, and you, you're, you're less likely to get a terrible result with a toxin. Yeah. You know, you get a droopy eyelid, okay, but it, it, it it's never comes across as an emergency. It's sort yeah. of a slow burn yeah. over a week. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the most successful injectors, they're not necessarily always the most technically proficient yeah. or have this amazing anatomical knowledge or this amazing skill technique that no one else has it's about how they make the patient feel yeah quite often there are you know there are outliers i'm not saying there aren't people that are extremely gifted that you know that one percent of people like the maurizios and the mm. arthur swifts and the the jake's lines um <laughs> <laughs> that have that x factor into you know they've got a high degree of skill but the majority of these people that are super super busy it's just their patients love them yeah they love coming to see them it's an event it's a part of their life that makes them feel people like to spend time with people that make them feel good yeah. think about it even like on a friendship level if you've got a friend that always makes you laugh yeah or makes you feel great you want to spend more time with them yeah it's the same thing how do you feel about me the jury's still out on that 50 <laughs> 50 <laughs> sometimes good sometimes shit uh there's a lot of love there but there's also we're like brothers yeah i would say like that there's a lot of there's Agreed. a lot of there's a lot of uh <laughs> there's a lot of jousting yeah but in a good way yeah i think we push each other yeah in, in, a, in a positive way because you know, we're, we're challenging ourselves to make this better and better yeah. as well. Yeah. It's a business as well. For both the same, it would, be, it would be a bit boring. So in terms of understanding how to make complaints an opportunity, maybe that's something we, we sort of focus on in the next little part of the discussion. Because as I said, I've been on the receiving end of complaints that I handle them really badly. And it turned like it just was bad for everyone. The patient never comes back. You feel like a, like an idiot afterwards. You're sort of down on yourself and you haven't really learned or grown from it. Mm. You've just sort of emotionally responded to, to something without actually thinking through, was the complaint valid? Was there something that this patient was saying that actually was genuine and I should look at in terms of the process or the experience that they had? Mm. Or how can I take that feedback and then use it to improve your, what the offering. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you've got a number for this. How many of your complaints were clinical versus, you know, business uh, orientated? 50-50. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it's different. Well, I guess what I'm getting is for you as a non-injector who's just the yeah. business owner, yeah. you're hearing this story that happened behind closed doors yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, like we've said many times, when, yeah. when there's a dispute, it's often probably in the middle somewhere yeah and so I, I guess the first thing is sort of information gathering yeah. rather than judging or yeah. reacting <clears throat> yeah and typically you'll start to see patterns forming so if you've got someone on your team that gets complaints often you've experienced some interactions with them or your staff have reported interactions with them that haven't been overly positive or the situations you start to see that 
okay, this person has an element of their personality that rubs people the wrong way from time mm. to time and perhaps there's some validity in the complaint. Yeah. I think as a business owner, something that made me probably a lot more successful than some of my colleagues was that I really took time to understand the procedures yeah. and could have a, a really intelligent conversation even though I don't know how to hold a needle and do the injecting. I've got a reasonably good understanding of what's going on. So that was automatically an advantage for me because I could talk to patients, I could hear what they had to say and, and pretty quickly I'd be able to ascertain, I could look at their face, I could say, I could hear what they were saying. There's some and, validity to Yeah, and, and in most instances I, I would be able to discern if this complaint sort of warranted further investigation or, or I should be looking at it in terms of, hey, something my team's done has gone wrong here or mm. is this just someone who just likes to complain? Have you ever been in a position where, you know, you have insight into you know, the normal expectation and then the injector turns around to you and says, what the hell do you know? <laughs> but like ultra defensive. Oh, not really because, I mean, I always took the time when I brought injectors into my business was to have that discussion with them and, and I always came at it from, I'm on your side. Mm. Um, I understand to a certain extent what you do, um, spend time with them, even observe treatments from time to time, talk to them and be able to speak their language. Yeah. And that automatically created instant rapport and I think that a lot of the frustrations injectors have that work in businesses that either aren't their own working for other people is that they feel no one really understands what they do they're sort of an island within a business yeah and no one really understands their position other than them or colleagues outside of the business so well unfortunately yeah. you're the unicorn yeah. most business owners don't have that perspective and it's so a, they're yeah. used to kind of being one-man bands yeah it's a bit, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but I think that was something that definitely that worked to my advantage. So I guess for any business owners out there that are listening that really want to develop better relationship with their injectors is you need to take the time to understand their language yeah. and, and what it is that they do because it's not their job to educate you. You have to take an interest in it. And have a treatment. Yeah. You know. Oh, I've, <laughs> had, I've had all the treatments. <laughs> you told you you're a walking filler. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, walking collagen stimulation recipient. Well, you, well, well, you only had seven mils of Guri last week, was it? Yeah. I don't, I don't only know. seven? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that video will be out soon. But you're looking fine. I'm looking fine. I've got a little bit of a bruise, but not too bad, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I've, I'm, interest, I'm genuinely interested and passionate about the industry. And yeah. so, again, this comes back to why are you in this space? Yeah. Are you just here to try and make money because you've heard it's a, a place where you can make a quick buck? Or is you at, does it genuinely interest you? Does it genuinely excite you? Do you love going to work? Or do you have a thirst for, for knowledge and understanding where the industry is going? And I think if you don't have those things, you're sort of, you're sort of starting on the back foot. Yeah. I mean, what was it like for you as, as an injector? I mean, you've worked when you came to Australia, you had more, more jobs than I had baked dinners. I mean, you're all, <laughs> <over> the, <laughs> you're all over the place until you found a home. Um, what was it like for you? Because you've worked with people that weren't necessarily yeah. overly au fait with what you were doing. Um, yeah, I can't remember any situations where I sort of didn't feel supported by the business owner or that sort of thing. It was just more of a, just a bad fit, just yeah. didn't sort of like what they were doing or, you know, the note system was shocking or, yeah. you know, just, just moved on for a better opportunity. But... Um, you know, I, I remember one complaint uh, with you, you know, it was, uh, it just sort of got to a point where it was a bit of a, sort of an email match Yeah. where I was just like, you just sort of need to come in. I basically, we'd done some filler on, yeah. on a patient uh, from what I could see from the photos that she insisted on sending in. She looked fine. Uh, and then I actually asked you to join me in the consultation oh, for one. the review yeah, because I, this one. Yeah. I said, look, 
we need some objectivity to this, but also because she was, in my opinion, not being reasonable, I wanted the business owner there to sort of understand the conversation rather mm. than me go back reporting, you know, she said this, yeah. you know, I, I needed you there. Yeah. And I mean, again, I think you were sort of looking at saying, you look fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember and so, you know, sometimes these things happen where the patient just cannot see it. Yeah. Or, or, or their expect <laughs> expectation is so high that you're never going to match it. I actually remember this patient quite well. I remember what she looks like. Yeah. And I remember walking out of there feeling quite anxious, like it, it, like her energy and anxiety rubbed off on me. When I saw her, there was definitely some psychological issues and some some stress points that were she I, was not acting. I think something which she wasn't divulging was happening in her life that made her scrutinise well everything. Yeah. Because she certainly wasn't like that, yeah. you know, when we spoke. And, you know, even though we didn't have screening tools then, I don't think my yeah. consultation has particularly changed. If I thought she wasn't suitable, we wouldn't have treated her. Yeah. It was more just expectation. She yeah. wasn't, like, saying it was bad. Yeah. I just, I, she couldn't really define what she wanted, but it wasn't it. Mm. Um, so I, I wouldn't put her in the, the bracket of, you know, body dysmorphia. I just feel like she was just highly anxious yeah. and... Uh, not fulfilled, not just with the treatment, but just something was not right in her life at that yeah. point. Yeah. And so, I mean, what? how do you process complaints and, and sort of self-reflect from, from a clinical perspective or a consultation perspective when, when these things happen? So, obviously, well, at the end of a treatment, I'll say to the patient, because, you know, one of the biggest issues that we have is patients not coming back. That's an issue, isn't it? It and, really is. And, and yeah. you know, then whatever the perceived problem is, it's then another injector's problem who knows nothing about what happened because yeah. they'll go to somewhere else. So I'll, I'll try and make a, a point, particularly with filler, you know, I'm, I'm relatively sure that a patient will come back if they don't think their toxins work or, or something like that. Yeah. But for a filler one, it seems to just emotionally upset patients more if they don't get what they, what they think that they're going to get. And mm. they often, you know, bounce around clinics. We see it yeah. all the time and they come to me and so on. So, yeah. I try to say to them, look, first of all, don't judge anything. I know we've looked in the mirror today and we've done some after photos, yeah. but that is not the result. Mm -hmm. Let's give it four weeks, minimum two. If you think there's an urgency, of course, here's my card, you call me. And I say to them, don't go to hospital, go into, don't go to G GP and don't go to another injector. I need to know yeah. because I can help you. And, you know, and, and even if it's just I'm not happy with the result, yeah. fine. I yeah. can help you. So I sort of make them feel less guilty about calling me if they're not happy yeah. by voicing I'm okay with a complaint or a, just a review, you know, yeah. not necessarily a complaint. Yeah. Um, I reinforce how to book a review. So you can do it online yourself or we can book one now for you before you leave. Yeah. So I, if the mechanism is, is in place for them to feel safe and, and like there's the ability to give feedback, I think it reduces the anger. Yeah. Or, or the anxiety of, oh my God, I don't want to call them because I yeah. feel bad yeah. or, or angry even. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, if they do come back, um, when they do book in online, there's an opportunity for them to describe what was happening or what what, what they see. Yeah. So then at least I can mentally prepare for what's going to be said or seen on the day. Yeah. Um, obviously, if it's an emergency, that's different, but, you know, yeah. that, that's very, very rare. Yeah. Um, but then on the day, you know, if I think it's going to be an issue... I might let my practice manager know, might let the staff know, just to, you know, make that person feel a little bit more comfortable and to not, exactly what you said, rile them up even more. Yeah. 
for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's sort of, we sort of touched on a point that we were going to talk about later, which is the silent complaint. And that's a complaint where the person just doesn't come back. They don't write a nasty Google review. They don't sort of <laughs> give you a dressing down at reception. They, they don't just sort disappear. Of, they just don't come back. And, yeah. and so, you know, that's almost the worst kind of complaint because it's sort of like they vanished and you don't even have a chance to understand what went wrong, yep. to make things better. Like they're the worst kind. So, I mean, I'd prefer to get a complaint than a patient not come back. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. at its brutalist level, it's just lost business. Yeah. Forget the fact that you can't rectify a problem. It's yeah. just not good for your business. Well, also it's not good for you as an injector because how can you learn, learn and grow and improve if you're not getting feedback, whether it be negative or positive? And I would argue you learn more from negative feedback than positive feedback. I mean, positive feedback strokes your ego. Yeah. Negative feedback shows you where you need to improve. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and that and that sort of goes back to what I was saying. If you give them the opportunity to come back and say, "Hey, it's not quite right," cool. Then then you've got a second opportunity yeah. to to sort it out. And and also, it's probably worth saying to your patient in the scenario that I don't know, you need two or three units of toxin because you've got a flicky eyebrow. I'll do it for you for complimentary, no problem. Just tell yeah. them what is reasonable and what's not reasonable. Yeah. But if they come back saying nothing happened, I've got movement everywhere. Yeah then well, I guess the two likely outcomes are there really is a problem and, and you'll flag that with the pharma company or someone yep. else or expectation isn't right and actually it did work. You're yep. just not yep. understanding the process. So what percentage of your patients do you think come back for reviews? Very little. I mean, I mean, it's funny. I've actually got some regulars who I know will come for a review because they're very particular, yeah. and 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 I'll just book it for them. I know they're going to come. Yeah. Uh, whereas others, uh, yeah, it, it's few and far between. Um, yeah. I dedicate fifteen minutes for a toxin review, half an hour for filler review. Yeah. Um, you know, if I think I need longer than that, then then I would have sort of flagged that in in their booking when they've sort of told us what it is. Yeah. Um, but. You know, you know, I'm an experienced injector, so I'm I'm lucky that maybe I don't have to review as many. But mm. you know, if you're a newer injector, I would certainly be saying actively book it. Yeah, get them in. Yeah, I mean, and a strategy to think about as well is if the prospect of the patient coming back in in person is is not high, then why not use telehealth? I mean, you use telehealth to do a consult to, and I know it's not perfect, right? But if you have yeah. to choose, obviously, in person is the optimal yeah. scenario, but. I would argue that something's better than nothing. And if you can say to a patient, look, ideally we'd love to see you back here in two weeks. This is not an exact science. This is an art that has a medical component to it. Yeah. It's not possible to get it perfect all the time. The face is a dynamic canvas. Yeah. What we see today, as you said, will change and morph over the next period of time. I want you to be happy. I need to, I need to understand your face. And the best way for me to do that, to make you happy and so our expectations are aligned, is for me to be able to see you in two weeks. Yeah. That's the ultimate. And what I would add to that is please don't send me selfies from your bathroom. <laughs> no, I mean, because it happens all the time yeah. or in your car or whatever. You know, tell your patient. I'm very happy to see you. Obviously, if it has to be telehealth, fine. Yeah. But the way we're going to judge you is with the same photography, yeah. have a proper chat where I can touch the tissues and yeah. you know, really talk about this. And and in fact, if I need to do something, then I can and you're, yeah. you're there with me. Yeah. But just sort of, you know, sending your own shots from your phone, 
fine. If there's like an emergency, that can actually help triage, you know, getting you in quicker. Yeah. But really, it's not good for sort of judging, did it work or did it not work? I mean, if you had to choose between no review and a person willing to come to like a Zoom review, would you be happy with a Zoom review as, as a... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I guess I would just feel a bit disabled. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. So they've got a quizzical eyebrow that I can just sort out with a unit of tox. So yeah. I can't help them. Yeah. But I guess in terms of if you were just looking to review to make sure you were happy with the outcome, mm -hmm. they might need to come back, but at least they're not going to turn up and they're going to say, oh, cool, everything's fine. See you later. It's like, well, I just wasted my time coming in for, for a two-second chat and everything's perfect. Yeah. I don't I, know. I think, um, you know, it sort of goes along with my consult process. I, I, I do... I don't rely on the photos, but I, I use the photos to justify, you know, decisions and mm -hmm. and and show patients what is or is hasn't happened. And so, if you can't do that, if it's just a Zoom, yeah, I mean, it's it's better than nothing, but yeah. it's not great because yeah. again, their lighting is going to be terrible. Yeah, they're going to get the warping effect from their webcam. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure of the relevance, if I'm honest. Yeah. No, fair enough. I just, you know, just looking for ways to make things more convenient for people because sometimes it's not always convenient to hop in the car and come for a review. So I understand why why there's the pushback, but maybe as technology improves and cameras mm. get better, who knows? But uh, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a difficult one. And I mean, have you have you adjusted your practice from complaints in the past? Is it things that you've sort of um, been? I don't really, I mean, you know, the, 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 the serious or bad complaints are, are very few and far between. So I think, um, having terms and policies advertised on my website has yep. been, I don't know if it's helpful. I mean, I don't know how many patients read them, but they're certainly signposted to, to please read them yep. and actually, you know, dropping some of that into your consultation. For yep. example, this is what your deposit you paid me is for. It's non-refundable. If you have a treatment today, it goes towards your treatment. If for whatever reason we decide we don't treat you today, not refundable. Yeah. Um, complaints process. You know. You know that's now mandatory with the new ARPA regulations. So, shouldn't be too difficult for patients to understand what to do. But it's on the consent form now. Yep. Um, you know, just quirks like um, trying to think now. If you're just not happy with what the receptionist said to yep. you, or, or stuff like that, I think that should all be in your terms and policies. And actually give them a, an email or a mechanism to report without having to feel... Like they're, till, like they're dobbing on someone? Yeah, yeah, just make it very sort of bright and breezy. Like, no problem. We're happy to get all feedback. You know, just just drop us an email and we'll, yeah. we're happy to read it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I guess the opposite is... Um, <laughs> you've labeled this in our script as the Karen factor. The Karen factor. Karen, what's the male version of Karen? Is it Keith, Ken... I think I think I've heard Don't Keith. Know, I, I think it's Keith here in Australia. I'm not sure what uh, UK, European, and Don't know, just US. Call them all Karen. Cal Ka yeah, Karens. So How did that even come about, Karen? I just I don't know. I think there was like a lot of people who <laughs> tended to complain that had the name Karen, for example. I think it, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sorry, really, if, you, if, if your name's Karen. Yeah, sorry, I'm not Karen. picking on you. No. Uh, what, what, I mean, I know what you mean, but what do you mean by it? Just someone who's just never happy with anything. You know, so it, it's just like the person that looks for every opportunity to nitpick, mm. to be unreasonable. You know, the someone that comes in and says, I want to talk to the manager. They, like they treat people quite poorly. They talk down to them, very opinionated, not willing to listen, yeah. just whinging. Whing I mean, I had this complaint come in um, and the complaint was just outlandish and it was just, 
out of control and I just out of interest just looked at this person's email address and I found out that this person was just a serial complainer. I found, right. I won't say what businesses, but there are some interesting businesses that so she Google had, reviews Google, and stuff? Google reviews. And it was like it was a part-time job. Yeah. Or full-time job. It was like everywhere she went, there was a negative one-star review about something. Yeah. And to me, that was, there's nothing I'm going to be able to say or do that's going to make this person happy. So yeah. it's better just to say goodbye. And this goes back to all the interactions before needle to skin. Yeah. Um, you know, this isn't a, a dig at anyone who, who maybe I've treated in the past, but we often amongst our team sort of flag people. So for example, they just can't work out the booking system. Yeah. It's just too difficult. Mm. Um, or, they're just constantly changing their booking date or they're calling with a hundred questions before we've even met them. Yeah. Just, I'm not saying that some of that isn't reasonable or possible. Of course it is, but you get a feel for those sorts of people are going to be more difficult yeah. in, in the actual consultation. I mean, it, you know, if, if you can't work out how to book or, or to basically follow some simple instructions is really what it's about. I, I do wonder if you can follow the instructions for, a filler treatment. Yeah. And so <laughs> how do you decide that you want to get rid of a Karen? Like what's your strategy if you've decided there's a patient that you know you could be, you know, Maurizio reincarnate himself and the patient's never going to be happy and the, and the relationship just is, is not sustainable and you need to you need to see other people. How do, how do, you, um, how do you deal with that? I, I guess it's a bespoke basis. I mean, yeah. you know, they might be calling with a hundred questions, but because they've got a really valid reason, like they've got a rare disease or mm. um, they've had a really poor experience somewhere else, which you know, we could argue is a red flag as well, because mm. maybe it was or wasn't a poor experience. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the more interactions you have and the more red flags that pop up, the more likely I am to say to that patient, you know, before the day, I just want to really make sure that this is a, a you know, going to be a good treatment for you. Can just get a bit more information. Maybe shoot them an email um, or, or a phone call. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to sort of push people away before we've even met them. But there are certain couple who we have said, I just don't think we can deliver this, and or, or, or the questions that you're asking suggest that it's going to be too much for you to actually go ahead with the treatment because mm. you're very anxious. Clearly, yeah. Or I don't know. You, you won't get all of them right, but I think I've got a good sixth sense now or a gut feeling about those sorts of interactions pre-treatment. Yeah. And so what do you say to them? Is it an email? Do you call them? Do you get your receptionist to do your dirty work for you? All of the above. Right. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to look like a defensive injector, but I, I know how to pick my battles now. Right. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, you know, we've had patients where we have treated them and you know, there's no problem, mm. but they're just constantly carrying. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> it's a verb now. <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't put my finger on, on, on how to explain it. I, I know all the injectors out there will know exactly what, what yeah. we're saying. I mean, you know, you just get a text like within five minutes of the treatment asking, well, what, what can I do? What can't I do? Yeah. And it's like, well, I've sent you a screenshot. You've got an email that says it all there. We've yeah. verbally gone through it five yeah. minutes ago and they're just not, using their common sense to, to, to engage with what was given to them. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know how you get around that really, but you know, but the more that goes on, the more you might say to a patient, I don't know, after the second, third time, look, I just sort of feel like these treatments are actually a bit stressful for you. 
Yeah. That you're not enjoying the process. You're constantly worried. You're often sort of, um, you know, unsure of the result or, 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 or what we're trying to achieve here. Mm. And maybe we just sort of regroup and have a, a sort of a review and, and decide to carry on or not carry on. I don't know. Every every situation is different. But yeah. I, I do think you have to have that conversation. Yeah. If, um, if the, there's just always these niggles. Yeah. And how do they normally respond to that when you're essentially in a nice way firing them as a patient? And I had a, one recently, actually. Right. I mean, I won't give any specifics away, but I, I met her several years ago. And in fact, you know, you could argue this is a red flag. The first thing that I did for her was dissolve some old under eye filler right. that she'd had done in Israel, actually. Oh, right. Um, which you could argue, you know, it's a bit brave because I don't know what filler's gone in, but, yeah. you know, it seemed like a hyaluronic acid and it worked. Yeah. But every treatment since then, whilst there was no problem, it, it was a bit like what I was saying. There was just sort of a question mark of whether she was fully happy. Mm. Um, she would come for lots of reviews. Again, not angry, just sort of a bit indifferent, yeah. just a bit, oh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm happy, but it seems okay. Kind of, you know, yeah. that sort of vibe. Aloof, a bit aloof. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then my most recent interaction, they had actually seen a specialist for a surgical problem, but on the face. And so I backed off doing any further treatments. And then I'd sort of given her a warning shot in, in that interaction to say, look, like, I just sort of feel like we're, we're not really achieving what you want, mm. whatever it is. And she actually said to me, are you firing me? And I said, no, like, I, I'm just saying to you, think about it, yeah. you know, just go away and, 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 you know, don't make a commitment now, but have your surgery and then maybe we, re, we can regroup. And then I sort of slept on it and I sort of thought, I'm not happy with this. It's not just about her. It's about, I feel uncomfortable every time I see her name booked. Get anxious. I just sort of think, well, not anxious. I just think, ah. Oh how am I going to make this better for her? Because I've already done everything in my power to yeah. do tweaks and tricks and, yeah. and all of that. So I hopefully wrote her a very nice email, basically saying there's nothing wrong with you or we've done nothing wrong. I just sort of feel like maybe it's worthwhile having your surgery. And then if you want to continue with non-surgical treatments, get a second opinion. Just, you know, I can give you recommendations if you want, but I just want you to, maybe get another perspective to this yeah. because maybe I'm not the right guy for you. Yeah. And, and what, um, did you ever get a response? No. Right. Did you Didn't, ever see her again? No. It was, it was quite recent actually. Oh, right. Okay. So maybe she was upset and I hope I didn't. I mean, it will be upsetting to get that email, but it was written in a delicate, nice way. Yeah. But um, I, I think deep down she'd actually understand what I was saying. Yeah. Because she'd sort of voiced it herself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes you have to put your hands up, but you know, I don't like my ego bruised more than, more than you do, but yeah. it's not about ego. It's about, am I doing, am I delivering what they want yeah. or, or, or what I'm proud of? And I just, I don't think either of us really felt like it was a good interaction. Yeah. And I find a lot of the time as well, people aren't comfortable with confrontation. Mm. It's like, it's especially like these days, like a lot of people aren't comfortable with face-to-face -face conversations. They find it quite stressful. They get triggered yeah. by something that is, is deemed as, as sort of confrontational. And I think in a lot of ways it makes situations worse because things continue to fester and escalate and no one wants to have that conversation because the, the thought of having to have an uncomfortable chat where you might be hurting someone's feelings yeah. or risking being yelled or screamed at or having Google reviews written about you, people sort of tend to put it off. And, you know, there's this sort of unspoken 
level of discomfort between both parties and it just ends up becoming really toxic. Yeah. And so I think it's like just ripping the Band-Aid off and just developing strategies where you can get your message across. Even sometimes like I used to like write scripts for myself in terms of how I was going to word things and you just sort of get comfortable with like certain phrases, certain sentences that you can sort of pull out at a moment's notice and deliver mm. and you sort of get more – it's like everything. The more you practice things, the better you get at them. And I, I just think that a lot of people out there need to just get a little bit more comfortable with having – confrontational conversations that, that I mean confrontation doesn't mean you're getting going to get into a fist fight yeah. or you're going to yell and scream at each other but there is a there's a moment of un, of discomfort between both parties and yeah. sometimes it's necessary because it's sort of like <clears throat> you know people go out and they drink because they know they're going to enjoy the moment and they know they're going to get a hangover tomorrow but that's tomorrow's problem mm. and it's the same thing with like dealing with this kind of stuff like they put off what they need to do now, and but they want, the, but they know there's going to be consequences later. But that's that's a tomorrow problem, and things continue to get worse. Correct. Uh, yeah. and, and I guess relating this to injectors, it's basically how to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or you know, or or similar to that. And as awkward as it is, and and you know, it's still not an easy thing for me. Just like what you said, the consequence of not saying no is worse. Yeah. And so if you just have that in front of mind that if I treat this person, I know they're going to be back. I know they're going to be moaning or fussing or saying their lips are too big. And yeah. it's just easier to say no. As yeah. awkward as it is, it's final. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, found, I found a line that works really well for me is that we're just, we, I don't feel that we're able to meet your expectations mm. or we can't deliver the outcome that you're looking for. We're not aligned. Yeah, you're not on putting certain, the blame like, on them being a weirdo. Yeah, so like you're not like some psychotic <laughs> lunatic that I don't want in my clinic anymore. Yeah. So it's a lot of, a, there is a lot of. It's quite that, disarming actually because yeah. then the patient's like, oh, so it's not me, it's actually you. Yeah, and putting your hand up to say, look, I'm just not the right person for you. You know, just like every person's not compatible with other, with someone else for a relationship, you need to find I mean, a level of compatibility. We're taught to say that and I think in reality when I've tried it, it just comes across as weird. When you say what? I'm not the injector for you. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe almost not, not like, those it's, words. It's, it's almost like dumping someone. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's not you. It's we're me. just not compatible. Yeah, um, or I just can't. I can't. I can't achieve the outcome that yeah, you're looking I, for. Yeah, I think yeah. The, more saying my skill can't achieve. Well, this is an art. You're not going to like every piece of art. Yeah, you know, you'll like certain artists. You won't like others. Like you, my artistic interpretation of how I think you're your face should look yeah. is obviously not in line with what yours is. And that's completely fine. It's not that one's right or that's wrong, but there are plenty of other providers out there who mm -hmm. might be more aligned with your aesthetic goals. Yeah. And I encourage you to seek them out. I might have some referrals for you. Just conversations like that. I mean, what else can you say? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, how do you discern, and again, maybe yeah. a business owner, a real complaint from a whinge? Yeah. We, we sort of touched on this earlier. I think a lot of it is me finding patterns of repeating behavior. So generally, depending on the type of complaint that comes through, is it someone that has complained previously? Are they someone that's generally very happy and this is an aberration? Is it someone who was, is the treatment performed by someone who gets a lot of complaints? Um, and again, having a, an understanding of what was a good, ex what is a good outcome and what is not a good outcome as a business owner. Yeah. If you sort of start combining all those sorts of factors, you, you become like a bit of a detective. You, you're sort of collecting pieces of, of, of sort of evidence along the way. You just reminded me of something. It's, oh, what's that? Yeah. It's kind of funny now, but it was not funny at the time. <laughs> when I first started working with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I got, you know, the odd text from you going, um, Jake, the, well, one of our injectors is not very happy with you. And um, she's got, you know, oh. <laughs> some some claims. And anyway, it turned out, well, you can speak, <laughs> that basically there's a bit of jealousy from one of the injectors that I was just doing yeah. well. Yeah. So how do you deal with inter-injector drama? <laughs> God, that's a tough one, to be honest with you. I don't know if I can sort of answer that in a, in a, in a, in a summarized way. I think it's around about knowing your team, finding people on your team that are compatible and have got a dynamic that work with one another. So if you think about like a sports team, yeah. for example, you've got like a, you know, let's talk about football or soccer, right? You've got people who are scoring goals. You've got people that are working in defense. You've got people that are working in goals in, 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 the, in the goalie position and everyone's got their strength on the field and you'll find that there are certain people, you've got people in a team who are all very similar. They're sort of very driven, high achievers, like big billers, big personalities. You tend to find that if you have too many of those people on the same team, they're going to clash with each other. Yeah. Um, likewise, if you've got a team of just people who are just sort of plodding along, they're consistent, but they're not sort of kicking any goals, you know, that doesn't work either. So I think from a business owner's perspective, I was always looking for people that complemented the overall dynamic of the team and someone mm. that was going to fit in. Yeah. Um, so that's just, I guess, an overarching concept or strategy that I started to become more familiar with in my later years of running and owning businesses is picking my team and finding people that will work together. Yeah. Um, but this particular patient, this particular nurse that worked with me, I pretty much knew from the outset that there was just a jealousy issue, but I had to go through the investigation process yeah. and not just say, oh, you're just being a bitch and you're jealous <laughs> and get lost. Like I'd, that wasn't going to be a constructive conversation either. So it was just about gathering evidence. Like what is the basis of the complaint? Okay. Is it valid? Is it not? Where's your evidence to support the claim? Well, it was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, there were claims like Jake's taking cash in the room. Yeah. Jake's driving around to the patient's house to do them in the bathroom. <laughs> Like just, you know, stuff that could net, well, certainly didn't happen, but she, I don't know how she would even prove that herself. Yeah. Yeah. She, she just loved, loved to spread rumors and, and it wasn't just you that she would cause issues with. There oh, was good, all, good to know. I thought it was just me. No, I mean, there was always like people on the team that she was coming. She was, you know, like the, 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 the person that the dobber in the class, the someone that was always yeah. telling the teacher for someone who had done something a little bit naughty and like. You're just like, come on, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, it was just, it was, I knew what I was dealing with, but I had to be able to demonstrate that, okay, well, you've got this It was objective. Issue. You've got this issue. Let me have a chat to Jake. I need to get his side of the story because I'm not just going to take your word for it. I need to hear what he has to say. I need to present him with what you've said. I need to have a look at, is what you're saying true? Is it is the evidence that you're, is the evidence corroborating what you're saying? Yeah. And then if not, is well, you just dismiss it really and say, well, look, you know. I <laughs> it was very difficult yeah. for me because it can't really prove anything what was said in a room. But actually, I'm trying to remember the specifics, but what sealed it was she, she identified a particular patient that she'd said I'd been around to their house. Yeah. And said, oh, well, I didn't. Just Why didn't you just email the patient and ask yeah, them? Yeah. And she was like, no. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It's anyway. Good. Yeah, but it it, it is – easy for inexperienced people to sort of just go off what's been said to them and, and not go through the process of collecting evidence, asking questions, looking at things objectively, getting both sides of the story, yeah. looking for patterns of behavior, talking to third parties like the patient. And the pa look, it's always difficult because patients don't want to get involved in this shit. They don't want to be involved in the conflict. They don't feel, they don't want to be a witness in a case. They just want to come in for their treatment. Yeah. And so it's always 
a road you don't want to go down because it then makes you, you look unprofessional and a bit yeah, silly. Yeah, I guess it is. But that that is an issue. I mean, having clinics with lots of injectors and and sorts of lots of busy successful injectors is always going to be. Oh, why did that doctor or nurse get that new patient that walked in? Why didn't I get it? That person seeing more or yeah. Yeah, you know, stock missing between shifts or, th- you know, counts not adding up. Yeah, it, it's, Drama. it's it's not for the faint of heart. But <laughs> Yeah. All right, well, let's spin this back to patients. Sure, sure, sure. Let's Th- do that. This, this is a good one. Google reviews. Uh-huh. Um, I, I guess the, the basic function of a Google review has its pros and cons yeah. anyway. But what tends to happen, although weirdly I've got one on my um, Google reviews, is you either get a five-star or a one-star. You very rarely get a two or a three, mm-hmm. maybe a four, but it, it's 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 basically polls, good or bad. Yeah, and so you know you'd hope you'd you'd given someone a positive experience and and they feel happy enough to give you a five. But what do you do when you know the patient hasn't even come to you? You don't even know there's a problem. Yeah. You just get this one star review. Yeah, Google. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, so first of all, internal investigation. So finding out. Has the patient been to your clinic before? Mm. <laughs> so, um, and sometimes I might not. Their, their name might not be the same. So you, sometimes it's not super clear. But assuming that you can easily identify if the patient's real or not, um, is actually reviewing the case. So from a so from a business owner's perspective, is reviewing the case, looking at the clinical notes, looking at the before and after photos, talking to the injector about it, getting their point of view on things, and then formulating a response. I found that. <laughs> A lot of people complained they'd actually never come back. And so you didn't even have the opportunity to review them or have a discussion with them. So if there was ever a negative review, um, I would tend to respond to that review. And it wouldn't be aggressive. It would be something along the lines of, dear Karen, (laughs) dear whoever, um, you know, thank you for your feedback. You know, it's, it's important that people let us know their experience with their business so that we can continue to make improvements love to have you back come back into the clinic so i can meet with you and discuss your concerns and try and rectify the issue for you something along those lines where you're disarming it you're not saying they're a liar you're not saying and you're giving <laughs> away no confidential information no confidential information it's just hey we've heard you thank you for letting us know we'd like to make this right can you please get in contact with us yeah to make a time to come in and meet with me and or the injector because we'd like to make this right mm. something along those lines yeah and so I think that sort of shows because people will look at Google reviews and then they'll sort of look at particular complaints and they can sort of see, okay, if someone's given a one-star review, the business owner or the the person responding to it has actually put down a message, they've acknowledged that there's a complaint and they've made an attempt to fix it. Yeah. And I think that actually makes the business look real and it makes it look like you care. If I see a business with like no reviews and all five stars, to me, that's not credible because it's absolutely, if you've seen more than 10 patients... But also yeah. what you've cleverly done in your reply is basically say, we haven't even seen you yet yeah. and you're complaining. So yeah. l- let us rectify it, but we actually need you here yeah. rather than just being a keyboard yeah. warrior. Yeah. <laughs> or people that I couldn't identify is, is to say something along the lines of, thank you for your feedback. We've, we've um, cross-referenced our database and we can't find anyone with your name in our system could you please give us get a, give us a call so we can get in touch and try and identify who you are so we can rectify the situation? Yeah. So I think the take-home message is <clears throat> respond, disarm, ask them to come back in, invite them to get in contact so that you can try and fix the problem. Just not responding or re- responding in a way that's aggressive or combative only makes you look like an asshole yeah. and doesn't actually go 
anywhere in terms of rectifying the issue. And, you know, if you're the injector, there, there are some legal issues. Ba basically, you're not really supposed to get into any sort of, um, you know, keep it like what you said, neutral. But if as soon as you get engaged in a story or a reply to what they had done, there's a potential risk of, yeah. you know, breaching uh, yeah. confidentiality, etc. You et don't want to say things like, I think your cheeks look great. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you're then, talking about. Because then, effectively, you've you've told the world what what they've had done. Yeah, really, it is difficult. I, I mean, I do feel sorry for for you guys to a certain extent because a patient can make whatever accusation they can want about you. They can call oh, yeah. you every name under the sun and tell everyone you did the most horrific job. Yeah, and because you're bound by patient, doctor slash nurse slash whatever you know. I know there are other people outside of nurses and doctors that do treatments around the world, but you've essentially breached that confidentiality. So yeah. you're almost in a no-win situation where you, you cannot respond with specifics. Correct. And all you can do is respond in generalities and try and disarm the situation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a difficult one. And then you've got all the other bullshit that goes on with people that, who write complaints that aren't even customers. They might be competitors. Yes. <laughs> um, I was reading a story actually in the well, I was just researching for this podcast and there was a recent one in March this year in Sydney. There's a vascular surgeon who was getting, I don't know if it was one or more one-star bad reviews, but also, you know, a description basically saying the surgeon was, you know, not good surgeon and, and not explaining things to patients yeah. and bad results, all this kind of stuff. And long story cut short, the um, surgeon took Google to court to subpoena Oh, wow. You know, the information. Yeah. And it turns out that it was her ex-medical student. What? I don't know why he had a problem with this female vascular surgeon, but it was How him. embarrassing. And obviously he had changed his name. Yeah, super embarrassing. So, <laughs> you know, this shit happens. And, you know, sadly in our industry, I think it's rife. Yeah. It's not just occasional, well, it's rife. Well, if you look at the latest lot of regulatory changes that have swept both surgical and non-surgical procedures here in Australia, I would argue that that has been caused by internal conflict within the industry. Correct. People complaining about other practitioners, going on TV about other practitioners, this group of people shouldn't be doing this, this group of people's bad. And the government's just turned around and gone, all right, bugger you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna regulate all of you harder. Deal with that. Because it made them look stupid. The way that the, the, these stories sort of manifested and presented to the world, particularly Australia, was that the regulators didn't know what they were doing and it was an absolute yeah, sort of- farce. It was, yeah, it was just like the wild west and cowboys everywhere. And so that was actually a self-inflicted wound. Yeah. And it was all caused, I think predominantly, by people trying to destroy other people within, within the space. Yeah, I mean, of course, patients probably course. had yeah. or, or were complaining. Yes, and yes, 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 of course. The good thing about, you know, that whole process was a lot more patients come out the woodwork because they felt unable yes, to complain. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So, I don't know. It is what it is. But, um, yeah. Anyway, so as a result of my research into this whole Google thing, there's a couple of services out there, but one's called Rev Reviewify. Okay. And basically, I think it's basically run by a team of lawyers. Yeah. And it's all, almost like a no-win, no-fee thing where they will communicate with Google on your behalf. Yeah, right. And if they basically see it's malicious or defamation, et cetera, um, they can get it off Google mm. and then you pay a fee. So it's probably one of those ones where if it's a really bad one, you might want to pay the fee. But if it's hundreds, you're gonna, it's going to be very expensive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and there's some people out there with a lot of time. Oh, yeah. 
for sure. It's it's a difficult one. Um, And I guess maybe this is just a quick reminder to people that, you know, we've spoken about in the podcast before, but complaints can often lead to claims. Claims can often lead to litigation. Mm. Litigation can lead to insurance payouts. Insurance payouts can lead to excesses being paid, which can also lead to premiums going up, which can also lead to difficulty (laughs) attaining insurance in the future. So these things can continue to sort of compound on one another. So just to remind people again, get your house in order with your consent forms, make Mm. sure that you're covered, that your insurance policy is covering you for what you think it's covering you for. Yeah. Because it starts at a complaint, but it can become something else entirely. That's a good point, actually. Um, Let's talk about, well, a a little bit like what you are just saying. So let's say someone comes out to complain. Mm. I don't know, it's about your injector. You do the gathering of information. You think you formulated an idea of what's happened, mm-hmm. but patient's not happy. So what what is the resolution? Mm. Because most of us, or indeed, well, I think all injectors would not generally give a refund if, mm. if they felt like there's a lack of effect or yeah. bad result, whatever. I mean, what, what what is reasonable for a business or injector to sort of offer or not offer? So you mean there's a, there's, there's a determination that's been made that the complaint is warranted? Okay, let's just say, um, let's give an example. Okay, an easy one. Um, toxin basically worked, but it wasn't, in in the patient's mind, a good result, mm-hmm. and they're still not happy. And You've explained everything. Yeah. They just need more or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so this is a patient that you agree the results, are you, I mean, I guess, are you... Well, you're just basically saying there's a difference of opinion here. We, injector thinks it's good. Yeah. It's reasonable. It's not perfect, but you just need more, but you're not willing to pay for it. Yeah. And the patient says, not good enough. I want a, I want a refund or I'm, I'm going to my lawyer or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So someone wants a refund. So they're not interested in corrective treatment. They're not interested in... They're just being a Karen. Okay. This is one where you have to tread carefully. And, you know, my disclaimer is that there'll be different rules that apply for different parts of the world. But generally speaking, in my experience, that something... If you're going to start potentially issuing refunds to people is to probably talk to your insurance company first. Yeah. Because quite often what can happen is a refund can be perceived as an admission of guilt or mm-hmm. that you admitted that you've done something wrong. Yeah. So, and every insurance company potentially could work differently. So my advice would be before you put your hand in your pocket and start giving money back to people is to talk to your insurance company yeah. and see what they say. Because they've got lawyers that are part of their team that are there to provide you with advice. That's what you pay your premium for. Because there's nothing that <laughs> I'll, re- I'll rephrase this. An insurance an insurance company won't hesitate to not pay out or or support you or be behind you if you've handled something badly. So if you've already taken steps to refund the patient and essentially admit that you've done something wrong, then it, it sort of weakens your position in a court of law because well, you've sort of taken the decision out of the hand of your medical legal company. Correct, you? because you know if this ends up in court, a lawyer's going to turn and say, "Well, why did you give a refund? If you did, you think you did a good treatment? Yes, I did. So why did you give a refund? Yeah, you know. So I'm not. This is not an overarching rule that everyone like. Don't take my word for it as gospel. <laughs> this is just a general piece of, of general, <laughs> a piece of common sense advice is to talk to your insurance company because the last thing you want is to have a situation where you provide a refund. And then the patient still keeps coming for you. There's no recourse. Yeah, so I mean, quite what 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 would quite often happen is if I was going to give someone a refund, then I would get them to sign a waiver to say that this is over. So you're you're not able to take any legal action. This is not a refund or an admission of guilt. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a refund. 
for X, Y, Z reason, you sort of have it all done. You get a lawyer to create a standard template for you. You've got like a standard release. Yeah. And you wouldn't provide a refund unless that's been signed and also probably talk to your insurance company. So it's a sort of a, a template document. Obviously, you need to fill in their details. Yeah. But essentially says... Yeah, uh, we've know, done, this is not admission of guilt. We've done nothing wrong here. This is just a refund for the treatment or this is a one-off payment and you can't take any further legal action against us. Right. Because the last thing you want to do is pay someone and then they go, aha, uh -huh, I got money, now I'm going to keep coming for you. Because <laughs> yeah. I've seen that happen before. Wow. And as I said, every, every country is different. But in Australia, in my experience, it's happened to me before. Mm. So you just have to be, be what, careful. What was the scenario? Um, just bad filler outcome. Patient didn't get a good treatment. Like I, it wasn't a good outcome. I could look at it and know that it wasn't a, a good outcome. And there was corrective work that was attempted. It would just, it wasn't getting any better. Right. And so, yeah, I spoke to the insurance company, had a legal, a legal disclaimer, like a legal release letter. Yeah. Offered to give the patient a refund, but said, if you want the refund, we're going to need you to sign this waiver. And that was it. So mm. that actually happened quite, I mean, 15 years and treating, you know, thousands and thousands of patients, you are going to get these happening from time to time. And that's a tricky yeah. one because, you know, you weren't the one doing the treatment, no. but ultimately you can see there's actually a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you tried to make it right and they're still not happy. Yeah. And just because you've given a refund before and nothing's happened doesn't mean that it won't. Like the, it, I'm not saying that this will always happen, but there is the potential for this to happen. And yeah. in business, the aim is to try and always mitigate your risk. So every step that you can take to de-risk yourself or to reduce the potential of a bad outcome, yeah. you should take it. So that would be my piece of advice. Talk to, your, talk to your accountant, have a waiver that's a standard template that you can use and just plug in different patient particulars mm -hmm. and just do it properly because the last thing you want is a nightmare that just continues to... Because a lot of with these, especially here in Australia, and I know America as well, I think America's the most litigious country in the world, closely followed by Australia. Yeah. People don't hesitate to contact a lawyer, especially with all these no win, no fee. So there's companies out there that specialize in just- Fishing. And and what they do, it's, it's a commercial thing for them. So they know that say, say your excess is $5,000. Mm -hmm. that Quite often what will happen is the insurance company will make a determination that it's cheaper just to pay out. Right. And so they'll advise you to pay out the excess. If you don't want to pay out the excess, then it can get a lot worse. Yeah. So, and 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 these legal companies know that. They know that even if the complaint isn't particularly strong, the fact that it could go to court and there's a chance that you might lose, it's just cheaper to pay the five thousand. You just pay pay the money or That's to pay. Shit. Yeah. So you know you've got the commercial world sort of inter inter intertwined with the medical world. Yeah. And business. And it can get quite complicated. Mm. So that's why, you know, always advise, you know, I've said it, you know, heaps of times, you need your support team around you, a good lawyer, a good accountant, yep. have a good contact at your insurance company and have all your ducks in a row because, you know, it's the one in a million, you know, it's the getting struck by lightning situation. Yeah, or the yeah. Swiss cheese thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if you're, if, you're a busy, if you're a busy practitioner or got other people working for you and you've got lots of patients moving, it's a numbers game. Oh, yeah. Eventually something's going to screw up. Someone's not going to be happy. Someone makes a mistake. And shit happens. And it's going to be that patient that's got to be in their bonnet. They might have resources and time and they're just, the crosshairs are on you for whatever reason. Definitely, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, going back to, I guess, not getting to the point where you get a bad Google review uh, and we sort of touch it on the start with asking for feedback. Mm. How is it best done? Because, you know, for example, on let's say you send out an automatic email after mm. every treatment and, and you give them your aftercare, but you also have a thing at the bottom saying, 
leave us a good uh, Google review if you're happy. Well, then you're opening yourself up to the one in a hundred who aren't happy. Yeah. Um, But if you don't ask for feedback actively, you never get it or you often don't get it. Yeah. You've got to take the good with the bad, I think. I mean, if, yeah. if you're... If you're confident... If you're, yeah, if you're providing a consistently good service and your patients are generally happy, then you should encourage them to provide feedback and, and give you a Google review. Now, how do you how do you do that? Quite often, people are just happy to do it and the fact that you've, it's just the matter that you've asked them to do it. Yeah, I know people that provide incentives. Maybe they give someone like a free skincare product or they offer them a free LED. Mm. They're not telling them what feedback to give, but just, you know, feedback's important to my business. It's mm. a way of patients finding us and, and working out whether we're a good service provider. Yeah. I'd appreciate if you could take a couple of minutes just to, to provide some feedback. And and so you've got to take the – a negative review sometimes adds to your street cred. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you look like a real business. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's worthwhile not asking for people for reviews because you're worried that you might get a bad one. Yeah. You should be consistently getting good ones. Occasionally you'll get a – you know, you might get a bad one every so often. Yeah. One strategy that I – I'm not sure whether this is fully right or or not, but to sort of protect yourself against those potential negatives, what you could do is just ask for general feedback, give the work email and of course all the positive ones, then you can reply and say, oh, that's so lovely. Thank you. If you wouldn't mind, Mm. here's here's a link for Google. Yeah. And then you sort of filter out the ones who are (laughs) going to rip you to shreds. I mean, you know, it's a strategy that you could use. Good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, it's just a bit more paperwork, I guess, or yeah. more manual labour to sort of have a double interaction yeah. with that patient. Yeah, look, and, and we sort of had a bit of a mixed conversation, but hopefully, people got a bit out of it in terms of sharing your clinical experience, my business experience. I think the take-home message is complaints are a reality of being in a, a, a customer-patient sort of facing business where you're dealing with people, particularly medical procedures, and, and sort of quite a personal, potentially highly emotive. Uh, part of their life it's just the reality that it's going to happen so learning how to de-escalate de-escalate working out which patients you want and don't want learning strategies on how to say no having all your ducks in a row to deal with complaints that potentially could progress onto more serious things that could impact you and your business seeing complaints as opportunities to learn yeah. even if it's something negative you might not initially like and i think the other thing quickly is, is if, you, if someone says something to you that you don't like never respond immediately because mm. when your emotions are charged you're not thinking properly you know your frontal cortex shuts down when you're stressed you're not thinking properly mm. and you sometimes say and do things that you wouldn't ordinarily say if you were calm yeah and good, so just take advice. a moment take a moment to breathe work out whether the complaint's valid or not take from it what you can that's positive that can help you improve your business or your processes or talk to certain people in your team that aren't up to standard um, and just accept that it's a reality of, of being in business. Yeah. And, you know, not to labor the point, but if you are an injector, just really think about your consultation, education, expectations, downtime, aftercare, all those things you need to re- sort of almost prove to yourself that the patient is understanding before yep. you go to needle to skin. Yep. If you're not happy, don't treat, just, you know, re loop and go back to that point that's yeah. not or not quite right. And obviously consent forms, and, yeah. uh, photos, <laughs> don't get your photos. Yeah. The patient comes back and complains you need the yeah. photos. Yeah. And I mean, just to sort of replug the patron again, this is another great example of why it's such a, a valuable tool for injectors is that a lot of the time I'm seeing the discussions come up with, with people talking about specific patients, not releasing sort of 
sensitive information, but talking about situations and getting advice from people that have got lots of experience. So, yeah. you know, it's important to be part of a positive community, whether it's ours or someone else's, so that you do have people around you that can provide you with advice and insights and give you a different perspective on things. 100%. Well, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, good. thank you. It was good. Another Jake and Dave chat under the belt. Yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> see you guys next week. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. For our latest news, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. If you want to get in touch with myself or David, follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics. Join our IA Patreon platform for invaluable business and injectable education. Get access to our global community of like-minded professionals, live and interactive Zoom sessions, hints and tip videos, webinars, and more. Head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information.